Well, once again, friends, family, guests to the Life Church Canton podcast. My name is Jared Van Voorst, and I'm your host for the show and one of the pastors at Life Church. Thank you so much for joining us today. You're going to hear another sermon from our Galatians series. We're um, uh, in chapter three toward the end now and starting to get to the back half of the book of the letter and hope you've been enjoying it so far if you've been with us uh, up to this point. Uh, this is a message from Pastor Nathan McWhorter, and uh, we get to one of the more famous verses in Galatians 3, 28, uh, where it talks about, regardless of all of our differences, we're now one in Christ, and so this is a wonderful message that you're going to want to hear. Um, also, I want to let you know that we celebrated Juneteenth this year for the second time uh, in a row, uh, second year in a row. And uh, it's just been a good experience um, for us as a church to talk about racial injustice um, and talk about how the church plays a role in that. Uh, but we also want to figure out ways how to educate and how to keep growing in our understanding of, of um, what our role is as a church. And so we have a couple book studies that I encourage you to check out on our Now page. Uh, one book is The Color of Compromise. We've, we've done that book in the past. Uh, and then there's another uh, follow-up book called How to Fight Racism by the same author. Um, and so I want to encourage you to go to the Now page and sign up for a book study and, uh, and get involved and learn a little bit more. Uh, but now we are in Galatians, and so I want to turn your attention to Pastor Nathan. Enjoy the sermon. Wow, I'm looking forward to, uh, to worshiping God at the end when we do communion. And I hope that the, the word of God I'm about to bring to you enhances this encounter you're having. I know there are people who've come back for the very first time. Many people have come back for the very first time in first and in second service in over a year. And uh, I want you to know you belong. You're so welcome. And we love you. So can you guys, yeah, give them a hand of applause. And online, we love you too. We know you'll be back when you're ready. And that's okay. We miss you. Um, but I know that you're here and the Spirit's uniting in us. We're in this series on Galatians, and, and I, am, I am loving this series. We're learning that Paul wrote a letter to a church that he dearly loved, but he brought this fiery rebuke to them because they were returning to some old ways, to some old things, some things that didn't belong, kosher eating, observing the Sabbath, ritual cleansing, and circumcision, which is a removal of the foreskin and males. I mean, some intense stuff that they were going back to, and he's saying, don't do this. Don't do this. This isn't what you were saved for. And he keeps talking about the law, the old ways. Maybe we got some old ways in us today. Maybe we got some old things creeping in. But he said, listen, the law was there as an in-between between what Abraham was promised and what Jesus did, and then the fulfillment in you. We learned that God promised to Abraham, the Gentiles, to you, salvation and transformation, and it's absolutely incredible. And Paul's not done explaining what the law was in metaphors, and we're going to cover that today. And then he's going to shift. He's going to shift and say, hey, 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 not only am I rebuking you, I'm reminding you of what you get to walk into, something that's new, something that's beautiful. And so I hope today that you will experience something new and beautiful and that this service has been formulated exactly the way it is with the exact songs and exact people to get you to this place where you encounter Jesus through all of it. And I'm very excited for you. And it was an amazing first service. 
My name's Nathan. Yeah, it was. It was great. Uh, <laughs> my name is Nathan, and uh, I'm one of the pastors here. And last week, I got to go on vacation, and uh, I went to Lettington State Park, and it is definitely, Lake Michigan is far superior to Lake Erie in beauty. Um, I'll admit that as an Ohio boy, we got the worst lake. Uh, but, you know, it, you guys have like all of them, like Michigan. So I, I was enjoying it. And we were camping. And I hadn't been camping in a while. I three kids, you know, it was a lot. And um, I, I got out of the, the tent at like 3 o'clock in the morning to go to the bathroom. And uh, I'm hazy, can't figure it out. And I hear this, and you're like, oh, what's that? And you look, and, uh, and, and you see this, this tiny cute little raccoon, little trash panda, you know? And I like, and I looked at him, I'm like, oh, that's so cute. Not thinking. Went to the bathroom, got back in the tent, went to bed, right? I'm like, I'm not going to hurt this little raccoon. I mean, live and let live, right? And uh, then I woke up in the morning and realized I had made a rookie mistake. One, I should have known better. I did know better. I did not put my food in the car. Uh, I did not secure it away. And so all my food is now all over my campsite. There is a badge of shame for all the other campers to realize they don't know what they're doing because that little trash panda got in there and ate my s'mores and uh, my brioche buns and all of that. I'm not having good luck with animals. Last year, we started uh, a garden, and uh, we have a lot of rabbits. And the rabbits came in, and they ate the tops off of all of the new little shoots. And I didn't get any peppers last year. So I was sad. So this year, I bought myself a, a very strong slingshot with steel ball bearings, and I have spent the summer trying to kill those rabbits uh, with all of my heart. I've hit a couple, but I haven't killed any. And you're like, you got, you're mean. I'm like, look, I wanted peppers, and they're eating my food. So not, not great. Um, rabbits are so cute uh, until you... And delicious, yes. Um, <laughs> If I could only hit one, uh, about why, why, why do I share that with you? You're like, that is so random. I share that with you because in a lot of ways, Paul is, is, is pulling out the slingshot. In a lot of ways, Paul is warning and reminding them. He, there's these enemies that are showing up as these Jewish people who are trying to get them to become Jews again, but it's the enemy. It's the enemy coming in and chomping all the, the little uh, sprouts from even bearing fruit and taking the brioche buns and the burgers and ruining them. Like, he is coming, but it, it, it matters. It's this baby church. The fruit of the Spirit is on them, but yet they have let this thing come in and steal it. And so he's talking and saying, listen, you, you got to pay attention. There's an enemy out there. You know you have an enemy. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking waiting to snag you, swipe your leg out from underneath you. We have no need to worry in Christ, but when we return to the old things, that's when we have to be afraid. Now, I want you to see that Paul is saying, look, it's not just about what you shouldn't do, but what you get to do. And so if you will, will you join me in Galatians 3, 23? We have faith in Jesus Christ, and it's changed everything. 23, before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. The law has already been described as a prison. The law is a prison. 
That's what I want you to know. The law is like a prison because it sets out the rules. If there were no rules, there'd be no reason to correct anybody. But the rules have set the boundaries, and all of us have fallen short. And so we were put in a prison by the law. So don't go back to the law. It's a prison. The law is something new. Here, it's talking about the idea of a guardian. Verse 24, what did it say? It says the law was our guardian, a tutor. This thing, uh, this idea, it, it had to do with a guardian for the immature. The law is a guardian for the immature, meaning they would have um, slave boys or sometimes paid individuals follow a child around, a very young child around for their whole life. And their job with this important person was to develop them, to correct them, to be there. And they were kind of in charge. They had a lot of influence until this individual grew up. And the law was that. The law was something that helped us in our immaturity. But not only that, the law was the only thing we did have. The Israelites, the Jewish people, all they had was the law. So they were like perpetually stuck with this person, like following you around and correcting you all of the time. But it moves on and says this, now that this faith in Jesus Christ has come, we are no longer under a guardian. We don't need one anymore. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. Through faith in Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, we've been given an opportunity to mature and grow. We're going to talk about that. You've been given an opportunity to progress and to become someone different because of Jesus Christ. Without him, you cannot become those things. Verse 27, as we continue on. I'm moving real quick here because I want to get to some good stuff. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself in Christ. What's happening here is he's saying, okay, so you have this faith. You're no longer in the prison. You don't need a guardian anymore. In fact, you've come into something new. Baptism is so beautiful because when you go down in the water, it symbolizes death to something, and coming out of the water is something called new life, and we're driven by this new life. But what they would do is, is often they would come down to the water, and they'd strip out their outer garments, and their outer garments represented whoever they were before. They went into the water, and they wouldn't go and put the old ones on anymore, but they'd put on new ones. For us as Christians, it's like having a prison jumpsuit, big old orange prison jumpsuit, taking it off going into the water and coming out and putting on clothes of a free person. That is a powerful image. Not only that, we are get to mature. So it's like going into the water, you take off your children's clothes, you know, like the clothes you wear as a child, you get baptized and come out, and you get to put on the, uh, the clothing of an adult. These are beautiful promises. This is a reminder. And we, uh, yesterday, Life Church Southfield was here, Life Church Southfield is one of the churches that we planted as a church and has planted other churches, and they're our friends, they're our network, and they don't have a building yet, although they're getting one in September, so be praying for them. That's a big deal, um, especially in the world we live in. Uh, but so we were able to allow them to use our facility, and it moved in uh, inside because of the rain. Um, but what we got to do is having a wonderful time worship. This whole stage was full of like 40 different brass instruments, I swear. Uh, but the worship was amazing. There should be a picture of it up there. Uh, yeah, oh my gosh, we had an absolute blast. Uh, the guy in the center, um, he is wearing a pink hat, and I am super jealous. It is a beautiful hat. Anyways, we did that, and then Pastor Alan Tumpkin brought the Word of God right here where I'm standing. Last night, last night, like just a few hours ago. But the best part, the best part is we got to right here do a baptism. 
and it was beautiful. And oh my gosh, she was adorable. Yes, she was amazing. And, and um, she got out of the water, and she just was so happy. And then she just goes, ah, like, like <laughs> I wanted this. Now, this is a beautiful story. This little girl, she, she was adopted. She had just, you know, had been adopted into that family. And then <laughs> she got adopted into the family of God. For her and that understanding, like, I wish you could place yourself in her place where she understands to some degree better than we do what it means to be adopted into something, into a family, a family where we didn't have before the love, the support, but also the the sharing of everything and someday the carrying on of a new legacy in her, both in the kingdom of God and in that family. And that's what it means to be baptized. So I'm going to call you out. Those of you who have not been baptized, it is your time to get baptized. On August 8th, we're going to have another New Life Sunday right here and baptize some more people and hear their stories. But it's time for you to sign up, even online and in person, to sign up to be baptized. We have some room, so uh, let's do this. August, or August, uh, yes, August 8th, that's when we're doing it. Galatians 3, 28, uh, here's a shift. There's a moment where we're shifting now from I'm rebuking you to I'm reminding you. I'm painting a picture of joy and excitement. This is a huge moment, verse 28. Now, you're going to be like, wait, really? Listen, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus, this is revolutionary. This is amazing. This is powerful. Juneteenth, we celebrated the freedom for slaves. But back then, this is crazy. This whole book is written about the Jew-Gentile thing. We get that. Like, okay, Jew-Gentile, you've been talking about this the whole time. But Paul, like, one-two punches them. He, like, just punches below the belt because these next two relationships that he talks about, oh, my gosh, they're almost worse, more difficult to deal with than the Jew-Gentile thing slave and free. There's no difference between slave and free. Are you kidding me, Paul? Back then, that's what they would have said. And then the male-female thing would literally, their brains would just go, like, they don't know what, what did you just say? Paul was raised. Paul, a Jew. Paul, a free man. Paul, a male, born into the kingdom of God, into the Jewish faith. He was raised to pray a prayer that would sound something like this. Thank you, God, that I am not a Gentile. Thank you, God, that I am not a slave. Thank you, God, that I am not a woman. Why? Because only Jewish males who were free could go into the presence of God. But now, is equal before God. Yeah. This is a beautiful thing. And he's, he's, he's poking and prodding them. They do not like this. He says, in Christ, all these distinctions are irrelevant. They are not real anymore. They are a human construct that has been laid down, so you must live into the newness of it. And Gentiles, you can't become Jews uh, again. You can't, you can't go do that. And we need to work for the quality of those who are enslaved, and those who are female. Now, in our times, we've come some distance, but we have a long way to go. We have a long way to go. But he goes on. So he just gave the gift to the majority of people listening to this letter, but he's not done yet. Verse 29, 
verse 29. I'm going to go right into 4.1, okay? If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. You are part of the promise and heirs according to that promise. A new word, heirs, something new, something powerful. What I'm saying is that as long as an heir is underage, he's no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. What, what this means here is he's not talking about slavery in the same way. He's talking about, like, though you are the heir, though someday you will inherit all of this, you're no different than anyone else in this household while you are underage, when you lack maturity, when you don't have the skills. You are a person here. Now, everybody knows what you're going to get someday, but until then, you got to know your place and you got to work through that. He's saying, listen, you are an heir in Christ. Because of the promise of Jesus Christ, you're an heir, which means you have an inheritance when you follow Jesus Christ. Did you know that? Do you know that you're not just an heir to like a really great like house and stuff, estate? No, you're an heir to the kingdom of God. Yeah, I'm struggling with that. I'm, I'm glad you're whistling because I don't know what that means. Like I, I'm like, how am I an heir to the kingdom of God? At least that's how I live. I know that, but do I live that? No, I don't. I live as if I'm in, you know, just trying to scrape by when I have all of the resources of the kingdom of God. We're heir in Christ's kingdom. We share in his promise. Do you know that you're an heir? That you have an inheritance? That means you're going to get some things from God. Inheritance is what's left behind when people move on. A gift of all the labors of your life given to your children and sometimes your children's children at times. And my grandpa, my great-grandpa died. I talked about that a little while. Amazing man. He gave gifts to his children and grandchildren. And he, uh, he, 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 uh, they were cleaning out his estate and um, they found quarters, like quarters, like entire pretzel full things of quarters, like tons of them all over the house. And they're like, hey, man, we've already gotten so many stuff. Let's, let's let the great-grandchildren and the great-great-grandchildren have this. So we're all having like this guessing game of like how much it is, and whoever guesses it gets all of it. Man, I'm telling you, this is such an illustration for who we are as Christians. We're so satisfied with just the change that's left over from Jesus instead of the inheritance that he has given us. We just stay with the little things instead of the big things. I don't even know sometimes how to process this, but yet Paul says, dream, dream about this. We're an heir, the heir apparent to the family business, which is the kingdom of God that transforms the entire world and makes all the wrong things right. Do you know that you're an heir apparent? Do you know that? Verse 2, because I, I got to get to 6 and 7. This, this, the whole point of this message is 6 and 7. Let's get to 2 here. The heir is subject to the guardians and trustees until the time set by his father, meaning you're under this. The law was this. It was a guardian over you until the time. Now, when's, what's the time? Well, the time is now. But before we get there, he said, so also, and this is important, when we were underage, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world, meaning before, when the law was the only thing, we were enslaved to the, to the enemy, the one who's trying to snap up our food to kill the fruit of our labors, the lion. We were enslaved to him. We were subject to it. Now, but the time set by his father, there was a plan for that to change, continuing on in verse 4 and 5. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, that's Jesus, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. 
That's the moment when we were invited into a new kingdom, a new reality. Jesus Christ died for us, and that would have been enough, just like Clemente said. That would have been enough, and yet he does so much more to step out of the punishment of sin, to step in growing and maturity and confidence, but then to take one more step into an inheritance. Powerful scripture. Now, before we get to six and seven, which I'm excited about, I want you to know that most often we get stuck. We get stuck on this journey. It means we, we can't move forward. We can't do anything anymore. We, we, we get stuck in some part of this. Some part of this journey with the worst of it is that you're a prison. You're stuck in prison. Or, or maybe the best of where you get stuck at is that you're just not living into the fullness. You're satisfied with the, the change of the inheritance, the loose coins, but not the whole bit. Maybe that's where we get stuck. How do you feel stuck? Like, do you, do you feel stuck now? Maybe stuck in the same broken pattern, stuck in feeling irrelevant, stuck in feeling unsafe all of the time, stuck in questions not being answered, stuck in your marriage, stuck, stuck, stuck. Maybe you feel that way. One of my partners, uh, I hope they're watching, they, they ask, um, okay, when you talk about these, give us so many examples of what it looks like to feel the way that's bad and then help us understand what it looks like when it changes. And so I want to go through that really quickly with some action steps. But the first way we get stuck is that we are in a prison and we stay in prison. And what do I mean by this? Well, though Jesus, he came so that we could be free from the law and the slave and the sin. So we're in this prison for all these rules and things that we did wrong, and we have to get out of it. And how do we know we're there? We're, man, we don't have a relationship with God. We don't follow him. We try to create scales of how I am a, a genuinely good person, right? The amount of good things I've done, and at least good intentions, right, are better than the bad things I've done. So if I balance out that I'm a good person, I'll be okay. If you measure your life like that, you don't understand the truth of your reality, that it's stacked against you, that nothing you could do could ever balance the scales, and yet someone has already paid for it. So you keep trying to pile onto the scale to outweigh the bad when Jesus is just like, bunk, I already took care of this. But you need to take it. You need to receive it. You need to walk into a new way. And then there are others who have come out of that, they walk right back into the prison. The door's open, but they walk right back in. And they say, nope, I like the law. I like the rules. That's what the Galatians were doing. They're like, I want to feel safe, so let me get this circumcision thing going. Let's make it happen. Not excited about it, but it'll make me feel safe. We do that too as Christians. If you tell yourself, like, when you think about your relationship with God and, you, and someone asks you, like, how, do you, how are you doing with God? You say, like, well, I'm doing all the right things. I, I, I'm a good Christian. I fit the stereotype of whatever church I'm a part of. I'm a nice person, right? I'm just nice. I'm pleasant to be around. I'm polite. You know, I, I, I don't engage in any of the hot button sins that my particular church doesn't like more than the other sins. Like, I'm good. I'm in the right place. I go to church. I'm a community. I, I give those are all good things, some of them. But like, the problem is you look at that as the rules in which you fit in that make you feel safe and okay with God. When God said, I broke those walls down so that you could be free, stop going back into what Amen. I saved you from. So that's how you know you're doing it wrong, <laughs> right? It's okay. It's not shame. God's saying, I got something new for you. How do you know I'm doing it right? Well, when you give your life to Jesus... When you, for the first people who've never done that before, by saying, I'm going to give my life to Jesus. I'm going to follow him with all of my life. In fact, 
I think there are some of you who need to do that, and we're going to do it right now. Normally, we do it at the end of the service, but there's, there's no reason to wait. Let's do this now. So let's close your eyes. Close your eyes. We're going to do this. Man, God, I, I pray that you would just convict. The Holy Spirit's the one who draws, not the fancy words. The Holy Spirit is the one who draws. So I pray that you would draw people right now, your presence. God is in the room. He's online. Even if you're listening to this months from now on the podcast, he's, he's timeless. He's with you. And in fact, I might be talking to just you. But I pray that you would choose to come out of that prison and you can do that by talking to God and saying something like this. God, I'm in a prison of my own making and I need someone to pay my bail, to pay my sentence, to open the door and let me out. I believe that Jesus Christ, he took on all of the prison sentences of the world and died and paid for them so that I could go free. So I'm going to walk out of this door. I'm going to walk out of the past. I'm going to walk and leave it behind. And instead, I'm going to follow you, Jesus, because you saved me. I will do whatever you ask me to do. And for those who have put themselves back in the prison, recommit your life to Jesus in the same way. Saying, hey, I've returned to the old. It's time to live into the new again. Remind me, like Paul reminded the Galatians, of the freedom I have in you. Amen. Some of you gave your life to Jesus, and we're so excited about that. We want to know about it. Let us know. But your next step, and the step for many of us, is to get baptized. We already talked about that. Sign up to get baptized today. Let us know that you made a decision to follow Jesus. We will walk with you, help you write your story, and journey forward. How Will you know that you're walking in this? When you mess up, you don't feel afraid. You say, it is by grace that I've been saved. I will return to Jesus, and I will walk in freedom. And I pray that for every one of you. If you need help with this, our next action step as well is go to the Explore course. The Explore course, if you're like, I wasn't ready to pray that prayer. This course is for you and for those who are just new on their step to ask all the questions that you have. It's designed for you. We're ready. Sign up. I'm serious. The life journey is amazing. People love it. You should do it. Okay, enough on that. Second one that we get stuck is we adopt new teachers. We get stuck because we stopped listening to the word of God because we're immature. We're, we're not under the guardianship of the word of God. We're under the guardianship of a different ideology, a different way of thinking, individualism in America. I am my own person, and I can take care of myself. Anyone else like, yeah, what's wrong with that? Oh, that's just not in here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Consumerism. I like new things. New things make me feel happy. I will buy new things. Not in here. <laughs> not in here. Personal privatized kingdom building. I'm going to make my own way. I'm going to build my own name, my own brand. That is not in here. Building your brand. Your brand is Jesus Christ if you're saved. Yeah. Some of us are a little confused. I'm confused. I struggle. I have a new iPad right here. So I, I get, like, I'm, I'm trying, okay? <laughs> Lord Jesus, help me. Jared talked about it last week, the Jeep Wrangler, where we get flats. But the Jeep Wranglers, they got the full tire on the back. So they don't know that there's a problem because you just throw the full tire on. And that was money. I got enough money to fix problems, so I don't need Jesus. Huh? Does that sound about right? Yeah. It's easy to do that in America. 
We need Jesus. Sometimes we got to throw away the extra tire. Listen, I'm going to say some things that are interesting because the purpose of money has gotten completely messed up in the church. So I'm going to read something um, that I've been thinking about. The purpose of money is neither to make more money nor to secure my own well-being in the distant future of retirement, which in and of itself is assumed the ultimate good, but to relieve the presently pressing need of my neighbor. The driving force and the sought-after end of our actions is not more, and especially not more for me and mine and my progeny and my kid's future, but God and what service I can render to advance God's pleasure. Change my mind. Change my mind on that. I'm serious. You're not, not a lot of people are clapping because that was just rough. I just, I just messed with your world. I just, you're like, what? But, but Dave Ramsey said this. I love Dave Ramsey. He gets people free. He does. But even if you talk to him and you listen to him long enough, you realize that that legacy isn't just for more and more and more for mine, but to make an impact in the kingdom of God. And people stop at getting free and don't start in investing in the kingdom. And I know this. I know this. Students, students, listen to me. Students, students, students. Some of us, we are struggling to rewrite things, but you get to figure this out now because I have adults and myself who've invested too much of our identity into the lies of individualism and consumerism. We're invested and we're trying to pull ourselves back. We have too much stuff and we've chosen jobs and vocations to help us support the legacy of having more and more and more and more and more. You have a chance to be wise before you start. Before you make a dollar, you get to change the way you think And I encourage you, as you are deciding about what you want to do in life, realize that God has made you for a purpose and your calling, and you can go to Advance to figure that out. Roger's going to help you as we integrate this into our church and into our high school ministry. But listen, listen, it's not about stuff. It's not about getting the job to have stuff. Mm -mm. It's about serving the kingdom of God because your inheritance is never, your inheritance is so much bigger than whatever little kingdom you can build on earth because your kingdom's in heaven. Man, I'm excited about this because it's freedom. This is freedom. And joy, stop walking into the old way. You are an heir. And here's the difference between kings of the world and kings of the kingdom of God. First of all, the kings of the world, they have lots of fancy things and get a lot of stuff for them, and they're kind of like, do that. Now, I mean, in the past, now we have kings and the royalty, they just fight on Oprah. I don't know what they're doing. Anyways, When we think of kings, we think of like, I have all this gold and I have all these things and I do whatever I want and I pay the church to get what I want. No, 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 no. When I think of a king, I think of Jesus. Do you have a king? Do you know that Jesus is king? Can you say amen to that? Amen. All right. Now, what does that mean? My king gave up everything. He took all his titles and he laid them down. He took the fact that he was God, a spiritual, and put himself into human, became a human, which by the way, says he still is. He gave that up for all time. He gave up so much of everything, fully God and fully man, but gave up so much and gave it all for you to save his people. And now his inheritance is greater than we can possibly imagine, and someday we will be on our face just glorifying him for what he has done. He has shown us. Now, you are an heir, which means you will be a king. You are a king. You are a queen. Yeah? Talk about that. What does that mean, though? That doesn't mean that you're an heir to preserve yourself. It means you're going to show the world your king by being like him and spending everything you have, doing everything you can 
to change this world to look like the kingdom of heaven. His wealth is for his people, and you get to be part of that. I'm, look, this is not a rebuke. This is joy. Amen. This is good. Now, okay, modern-day king. Anyone think of modern-day coins? Okay, it's not like King Phil. Okay, what is a modern-day? Okay, someone who has lots of money. Jeff Bezos. Okay, modern-day king, Jeff Bezos, used to be the CEO of Amazon. He has got lots of money. No hair, which means there's no treatment for hair. I get that because he would have it if, if he could. But like, made so much money. Listen to this. Listen to this. Before the pandemic, with the money he made during the pandemic and Amazon, personally, him, he could have given all 876,000 Amazon employees, which is almost a million employees, he could have given them each $105,000 and not lost a penny from when he, before the pandemic, meaning he wouldn't have lost a single cent. Who wants $105,000? I do. That's nice. But he didn't. He didn't. And we look at that and go, Bezos, what's wrong with you? You have all this money. You're spending on the rock. What would you possibly need all that money for? In fact, he just built a rocket company, and he's going to shoot himself into space with all that money. That's how freaking rich he is. Like, it's ridiculous. They, people hate him. Do you know that? There's an, the, one of the largest change.org petitions ever that's currently going. You could check it out. has 130,000 signatures. And you know what it is? It says, keep Bezos in space. Don't let him come back to earth. I kid you not. We can see it so easily in him, can't we? Yeah, we can't be parted with a fraction of our own income for the kingdom. I mean, even 10% of what he made would have been $10,500 a person. So how do I know that we're stuck? How do I know that we're stuck? Well, stats are that 25% to 10% of church attenders tithe, which means 75% to 90% of them do not tithe. They're not given to the kingdom of God, which is not. Listen, of those people who give, this is what I really know, that this transforms you. This changes you when you start tithing. Listen, of the 77% of the people who do tithe to church, do you know how much of their income they give? They don't give 10%. Most of them give somewhere between 11 to 20% of their income to their church. See, 10% is always the training goes to the generosity that God wants you to live in. It writes your heart. It helps you understand that you are a steward of God's kingdom. Now, look, listen, don't hear shame in that. Don't hear me saying, see, church, just get your stuff together. It's not what I'm saying because I know that stewardship takes time. I know about that. What I'm saying is that with so few people in our church, we have done so much, which means our upside is so incredibly high. There's so many people, if they start to invest in it, that we will be able to do incredible things. Now, God give us what we need. The question is, is how much do you want to be part of the kingdom work? So how do you know if you're not getting stuck under these old ideologies? Well, give to the church. Action step, give to the church and do it consistently. Take any step forward. Hear me. I'm joyful for any step you take. Seriously, I, I think it's the best thing in the world because I know what we're going to do with that. And I know what Jesus is going to be able to do through us. He's going to do it, but I'd like it to do it through us. I would. I want to be part of those baptisms in new life. But it isn't just that. You need to grow up a little bit. 
which means we need to learn how to pray in confidence, explore the word of God, be challenged. So I want to encourage you, the second action step is to take the encounter course where you learn new habits and new truths and how you can grow in this and become mature, to do your studies so you don't need the guardian anymore, but you can walk in the freedom that you have been given to do some book studies that we're going to do, um, not just book studies uh, in, in, in like learning about things, the color of compromise and how to, not, uh, uh, how to fight racism. That's what we're doing with the, the group that normally runs Be the Bridge. We're doing book studies over the summer. You need to sign up for that right now, but also doing book studies. Don't, don't just spend time in devotionals, but in devotion to the Word of God going through a book of the Bible. We'll talk a little bit more about that in just a second, but I'm encouraging you to do that. Please be part of it. And finally... We choose immaturity over inheritance. We keep our kids' clothes on, and we choose not to walk into the newness of what God has for us. We stay immature. How do I know when I'm doing that? When I rest on others' knowledge of Scripture instead of walking through it with Jesus himself? When I don't do, when I do nothing <laughs> with the Word of God. When I don't take that opportunity to grow in maturity, we do not listen to the teacher of the Holy Spirit inside of us, when we don't discipline ourselves to study the Word of God, of church attendance, small group participation, you're like, but wait a minute, you said at the beginning that's a prison, you just do all the right things. I said, yes, no, 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 you need to do those things because they're amazing and good, not so that you can feel good, so that you can be positioned to be matured in Christ, so that you are more useful to the kingdom of God. Last animal story, I promise today. I was outside and we were playing, we have these beautiful uh, evergreen trees and uh, kids are like, oh, there's a baby bird. And a bird had fallen out of the nest. And the nest was, was extremely high. There's no way to get in. And there's this little baby bird. And, and I'm thinking, great. Like, this animal's not going to make it. Uh, it's, it can't fly. It's barely got its feathers. I can't get it back up. So I, I pick it up to go put it behind the woodshed for it to die. Because I can't even put it on a, a, le a ledge or anything. There's just nowhere to put it. And as I pick it up, do you know what the little baby bird did? It goes like this. It goes, big yellow mouth. I mean, huge. It's like half, it, like half its body is its head. Why is it doing that? Anyone know why it was just opening his mouth up like that? You know, what, it's what? Yeah. It's, it wants food. It wants food. How are babies, birds fed? Are they given raw food at first? Uh-uh. They're given food that has been processed by the mom first. And there's this moment when the mom comes over. I mean, have you guys ever seen a, a pet detective where he, he does the and then throws up into the baby eagle's mouth? Yeah. Listen, I didn't do it to the baby bird. But some of you want me to do it to you. Don't hear this as bad, but hear... Many of us come to church and to devotionals and to our life with Jesus to get regurgitated word, to get regurgitated presence, to get rescue breathing. I'm not here to do that. I'm not here to do that for you. I'm here to make you hungry. I'm here to give you a whiff of bacon. I'm here to maybe give you an appetizer so that you can go to the word of God, get your palate ready for this, this gift, this beautiful gift of the word of God, but not just the word of God, but the presence of God and the worship of God. We have chosen not to mature. And like a 14-year-old kid waiting for its bottle of milk looks ridiculous. We look ridiculous as heirs in the kingdom of God who refuse to step into our kingdom. 
It is good for a time to be in that place. Don't hear me wrong. Don't hear me wrong. But it is time to mature past that. The leadership team right now is working on a seven to 10 year long-term plan for the church. A, church, a plan that's a, a goal that's gonna be huge and big and difficult and a little scary. It's gonna have to do with overflowing into the community and changing the culture of everything around us. And that is not gonna happen from people who come to church and refuse to mature. It'll only come from people who will step into the kingdom and the vocation and the calling that God has for them. And that's what God has for you. And I'm getting excited. And I want us to dream about what it means to live in that. How do we do this? How do we know we're doing this? All the things I talked about, flip them, you know, study the word of God and all that, but become a partner. Listen, we want to be accountable with you. All of us are partners and we have commitments that go along with our code, but really what those do is they position us to mature and grow and to do it together, to make these commitments. I'm calling you to do that. I'm also calling you to be part of Advance. Advance is another life journey course. And you can see that there are places we get stuck and places we have placed things in the church to get people unstuck. It's intentional. It's on purpose. And this one helps you understand what your calling is, what your vocation is, what you need to do and what God has for you. When we do this, we'll stop being petty and contentious because we're mature. We will see disunity continue to be exposed, but see it as an opportunity to grow in the unity of the word of God and the gospel. We'll stop gossiping and start investing. See, a lot of people like to talk, 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 but they don't walk the walk. And maybe we need to stop talk, talk, talking and just walk right out the doors. Or stop talking and start walking into it with people. And I'm going to tell you, I'm trying I am trying to make people upset because Paul is as well. Not to be a jerk, but to say that there is something on the line that's bigger than our opinions and preferences and hurt feelings. Amen. And there are people whose hurt feelings is because they're under oppression. And for me to value people whose hurt feelings they don't want to deal with anything difficult over the people who are being oppressed makes no sense in the kingdom of God. That wasn't in my notes. But I wanted you to know that. Inheritance of God is something you step into. So you have all the action steps, but I want to do something now. Verse six. Verse six. Because you are his sons, you are his daughters, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. There's a spirit inside of you who calls out to the Father and says, Daddy. That's what that word means, Daddy, Dad. You are not just God's creature. You are the one who's been called to be his son and daughter. You get to say, Daddy. I don't know where your relationship with your earthly father is, but this is a father who you get to rest in his arms. You get to cry out to him, Abba, Father. So what do we need to do right now? We need to say, Dad. We need to remind ourselves of who he is. So fix your eyes on God. Fix your eyes on God during communion. Fix your eyes on God as we sing, good God almighty. Why are we doing that? It's a call and response. Tell me, is he good? Tell me, is he God? Do you know what you're doing when you do that? The spirit of God is inside of you and you're harmonizing with what he's saying. You're in step. You're in tune. You are right. That is powerful. And we think, well, that's not going to fix my problems. (laughs) No, but it's going to fix your eyes. And that is a good, good thing. Fix your eyes. When we sing that song after, at the very end, I want to hear people just shout. Walk in your inheritance. Now you're like, but I don't know what that means yet. I know. 
We're going to get there. Walk in your inheritance. When we join in worship of God, we join with the voice of the Holy Spirit. We become so much more aware of his presence. We encounter Jesus and his Holy Spirit, and we submit to that. And when we do that, we submit to Jesus, have your way. And something that's getting in the way in our lives breaks. It just breaks apart and falls apart. And that's the song we sang earlier. We're going to sing the same two songs again. And it's on purpose to remind ourselves of Jesus. And when he shows up, everything changes. So whatever you're going through in your life right now, it's going to change. Because the Holy Spirit is in us. We're going to receive communion in just a moment. We're going to do it together. Jared will lead us through. If you don't have communion cup in the room, go grab one. If you have one during this next song, as we prepare our hearts, you can take the little clear plastic piece off with a little piece of bread and then the foil piece off so that we're ready and we'll take it together. I know that God is going to move in this moment, that he is going to show up. If you're online, go get your stuff right now. Be ready, be prepared. We've been preparing for this moment all day. Let's continue to worship God for he is good. Thank you again for listening. I hope you enjoyed that. Um, I do want to remind you, if you have not yet subscribed to the Life Church Canton podcast, you can do so. Um, and then also, if you would like to give, uh, Nathan mentioned that as an action step. If you want to give consistently, recurringly, and invest in the work that we get to be a part of, uh, we would greatly appreciate that. And um, it, it certainly is a benefit to us, but I believe, we believe, it's a benefit to you too, as an individual, to learn how to be content um, to learn how to be generous and to learn how to invest and steward your finances in such a way that um, you understand that they're all, it's all God's um, and it all goes back to him anyway. And so it's such a great, um, great way to be able to connect to what God is doing in his kingdom and in his church. So thank you so much uh, for considering that and we hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. We'll see you back here soon.